All right, is everybody doing good? You doing okay? Ready to get into this thing? Uh, we're talking about Ephesians. And uh, as, I was, as I'm looking ahead and trying to prepare Ephesians, I feel like we're going to be in Ephesians for a while. We'll probably take a break for a few weeks to go through Advent and, and the Christmas time. But as I'm digging more and more into it, I just, oh, Ephesians is so good and it's so deep. And um, it's so much about identity, which if you haven't noticed, a theme in our culture is identity. Where is our identity? And we're about to turn the corner and really start talking about some of that. But um, our identity is in Christ, but people don't realize that. And they're looking for identity in, in so many different places, in a relationship or in a gender or in a, uh, an ethnicity or in a whatever. They're, people are looking for identity. And we have the answer. So we've been talking about that. Ephesians is one of Paul's uh, most famous letters. Um, people have studied it and talked about it for years and years. And uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is to be a church. You're going to hear me say this all the time. A church committed to an inward journey of spiritual disciplines and an outward journey of missional engagement. So in other words, what is happening on the inside, the change, the, the thing that's um, going on inside of me because of the Holy Spirit will be reflected on the outside. Um, we're digging into this letter in Ephesians and it's kind of, this is too neat of a divide, but it, it kind of is divided into two parts um, where first we talk about the theology of Jesus and then we go into our responsibility as believers, as followers of Christ. What does that look for us? And, and so last week, I, I really need to help catch us up because last week we talked about, um, if you remember, we started with chapter 3, and as I'm going through this, by the way, the message notes for today are in the, the app, the church's app. You can find that wherever you get your apps from. Um, the church app, also in the Bible app, the notes are there. But we started in, in chapter 3 last week, and, and so Paul had been talking about us being one in Christ, and then he gets to chapter 3, and he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then he pauses <laughs> and goes into some more about the gospel. He starts talking about the mystery. You guys will remember some of that. He was talking about the mystery that exists in the gospel, um, and it, it's this, this break. Then he talks about not only that there is a mystery, but he begins to kind of explain what that mystery is. And that that mystery has been revealed to those who believe in him. It's not, and the word mystery for the Greek was something different than what we know Greek as. We know, I mean mystery, we know mystery as, as something that's unknowable. But the word he used in the Greek, mysterion, was something that is known only to the initiated, meaning People who don't know the Holy Spirit, people who are not walking with Christ, they're not going to understand what is, what's going on. And you guys understand the mystery of the gospel is significant because it teaches us to love each other in a way that is unusual. People who don't know Jesus, they're not going to get it. They're, they don't understand it. But people who are in Christ, they get it and they understand and they know. And it just is an unusual kind of love. And it's an unusual kind of peace. And it's, it's something that the world wants, but they don't know how to get. The mystery's been revealed to us. It's our job now to understand and talk about that mystery. Pretty good, right? Some, that was a good summary of last week. So, um, in continue, if I do say so myself. <laughs> do you ever do that? Sorry, shouldn't have done that. All right, so here we go. We're, we're moving on. Last week we were... Uh, verses 1 through 6. Today we're going to go 7 through 13. And um, we're going to finish this section. This is still, we're still in Paul's parenthetical statement, right? He says, and for this reason I, wait, hold on. Let me talk about this mystery. And he's still talking about that today. 
So I'll read this, um, and you can follow along. It'll be on the notes, and it's on the screen here, uh, starting with verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Remember, we're still talking about the mystery of the gospel. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages has was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that's a, that's a lofty statement, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. So um, Paul's getting into it and he, he's continuing to help us understand uh, the mystery that he's talking about. It reminds me of a story I heard about an, an Amish boy and his father. They went into the big city one day and they're, and you guys know the Amish, right? They, they don't believe or they don't use technology. They, um, horses and buggies, if you've ever been in Amish territory, it's a beautiful country to visit. And uh, so the, the boy and his dad in their, in their buggy, in the horse-drawn buggy, kind of pulled up to the building. They were there for some kind of a meeting and they didn't walk, understand everything. They walked in and they see these silver doors that are opening and closing. And they're watching these things in amazement, trying to figure out what is going on because they didn't know. The, the son had never seen anything like this. So he asked the dad, he said, hey dad, do you, what, what is that? And the father, having never seen an elevator, he says, I, I don't know, son. About that time, a, an elderly woman uh, comes over with a walker. She goes into the elevator and she presses the button and the, and the boys watch as the doors close and the numbers kind of move up and down and the forth. They're watching what's going to happen. And then uh, a few minutes later, the lights light up again and then the elevator doors open and out walks a beautiful 24-year-old woman. And the, the dad looks at his son and he says, son, go get your mom. <laughs> It was a mystery <laughs> that they didn't understand. You get it? I'm gonna get in trouble for that one, wanna? It's okay. It's a mystery. Our new life in Christ is life changing. We don't understand it. There's no explaining it. And to those who don't know, they're just watching elevator doors. They can't grasp it. They can't figure out what it is that's happening. Something new is happening. And that's what has happened to Paul. That's why he's so excited. That's why he's so energetic. That's why he's teaching so much about this. This new thing that happens to you and to me has happened to Paul. And it has lit him on fire. We're getting close to the transition that I've been talking about uh, where the first, we transition from the theological parts of the mystery of Christ and the gospel and all those things into our responsibilities as the body of church. You'll notice as we get into next week that there are ways that we apply these riches of our identity in Christ to our lives. How do we apply those things? And we'll answer questions like, what does this mean for us as a church? What does this mean for me as I run my business? How does this affect the way I make decisions? How does this speak to the people, uh, the way I treat the people around me? What about spiritual warfare? How do we answer those questions? 
Because if we don't understand our identity in Christ, then none of those things make sense. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the ministry of the gospel being for all people. Verses 7 and 8, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the work, uh, through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We have to understand how significant of a change Paul had gone through. Do you remember last week I, I said that for him it was going from being named after one of the greatest kings, Saul, to now being, so he was, went from big Saul to little Paul. Paul means small. Like it's, he, it's, it's a life altering perception. His identity was entirely shifted. He was once a powerful religious Jewish leader. And now after being called by Jesus, he is an apostle to the Gentiles. If you understand Jewish culture, you understand how radical of a shift that was. At once, once upon a time, the Gentiles were nothing but an ant for him to step on. Now he's presenting the gospel, the way to his God is being presented to them through this gospel. It's crazy. It's, it's perception altering, radical, 180 degrees. So the question that we need to ask or answer is, how willing are we to be transformed? What kind of transformation are we willing to undergo? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is, this is a radical thing that's happening. Do you understand? are being transformed into his image. The image of God does not hate, does not cast people out, does not consider other people better than themselves. The image of God. It's not like, and we with unveiled faces are being controlled by God. That's not what it is. We are being transformed into his image restored into the image of the one we were created in in the beginning. How willing are we to change? And you have to be careful because if you lean into God, truly if you lean into him, your life will be radically changed. You will be transformed. You cannot stay the same. And then you will begin to understand the mystery because now it makes sense to you because who I was is not who I am. I told a little bit of my story in a week or two or three ago. I don't remember now. But after my transformation, I went back to some of my friends and I was like, God has changed me. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing Friday night? <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm different. And I, I went to them and I can, I'll never, man, this, this scripture also teaches that the word of God is like a sword. And it's dividing. And when I went to my friends and, and they were like, Cal, let's go out at Saturday night. And I, was, I said, I can't. I'm going to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> Whatever. Come on. Listen. Where are we going to meet? Where? I'm not, guys. In fact, how about this? Why don't you go to church with me? <laughs> what? 
Would you believe that I lost half my friends that one day? Half of them. Half of them almost didn't talk to me again after that. All these guys that I thought, you know, ride or die. Like we, we're tight. We're. But I don't have regrets. I don't regret it. It's just, it was a change that was happening in me. And um, over the years, some of them have changed. Some of them have called me like, I get it. <laughs> I understand now what had happened to you. I, I get what's going on. The problem is this. Most people don't want all of God. The life-changing gift of his grace, they want just enough to keep them happy here on earth so they can make it to heaven. God, give me just enough. I want just enough. Just enough. It reminds me of a poem that Wilbur Rees is his name. Look it up. He wrote a book called $3 Worth of God. $3 Worth of God. This is what he wrote. This is his poem. I would like to buy $3 Worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk. You can tell it was written some time ago. <laughs> or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth, boom, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of please. I was facing much criticism as he navigated the prejudice that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was a hatred there. A real prejudice. Jews hated Gentiles, but, but the Gentiles didn't really like the Jews either. When the New Testament church arrived on the scene, Paul's difficult task was to reconcile those two groups. You see, the, the Jews were upset because the Gentiles, they didn't any longer have to convert to Judaism in order to get to God. The, the unfathomable riches of Christ were now available to the Gentiles in the same way they were to the Jews, but all they had to do was ask for it. The difficulty was the Gentiles saw the Jews as a bizarre religious cult, and the Jews saw the Gentiles as blasphemers of God. Paul had to unite that mess. Paul had been one of those Jews. He'd been one of those Jews, one of those high uppity Pharisees. But if you catch what he's saying here, he took on the form of a servant of the gospel. Lower than the least, he says. He was the highest. Now he's the least. All right. We're in luck because the Cowboys don't play at all today. So we have all the time in the world. But there's some good stuff. So let's keep going. All right. Uh, on with verse 8. Um, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. The unsearchable riches. It's translated all different ways. The boundless Riches. Paul is called to preach these, how do you even put it into words? The Greek word, and I'll have it up here on the screen so you guys can see it with me. 
Um, the Greek word, anexnation, it's a difficult one to pronounce, means impossible to be traced out. John Stott, uh, he wrote this, translators and commentators compete with one another in their attempt to find a dynamic equivalent in English. Probably bear it out as you have different translations. If you read, they'll have different words for it. The riches of Christ, they say, are unsearchable, inexplorable, untraceable, untraceable, unfathomable, inexhaustible, limitable, or illimitable, excuse me, inscrutable, and incalculable. They just can't settle on a word that completely describes the richness of the gospel. Paul reminds us of how amazing this gospel is, but the reminder is also that we have to be very careful because we cannot bend it or limit it or shape it to what makes us. It is unbounding. Like we can't put a limit on it. It is unsearched. It is the... What was the, the latest, I uh, heard people talking about it, the um, lottery ticket. Listen, I'm not going to ask, but if you win that, don't forget where you tithe, okay? We'll just say. <laughs> the, the lottery, it was over a billion dollars, right? I don't even know if it's still going. I just remember hearing this last week. Over a billion dollars. Like, if you win that and the cash out was however many hundreds of millions, like you're thinking to yourself, that is unlimiting un richness, right? Like that's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. There is a no limit, impossible to be traced out, the, the richness of the gospel. And we as humans try to shrink it and control it and make it what we want it to be. We can't replace the gospel with current events or politics or business strategies or self-help or psychology or religion. I heard somebody talking about um, being discipled by, and I might have said this, they're, they're being discipled, people are being discipled by cable news. That is where we spend our devotional time. Cable news. Watching it on the satellite radio, listening to it, on the podcast, whatever. And we all know, everybody's talking about it right now. All, the, the, the election coming up on Tuesday. Don't forget to vote. I don't want to get into politics here, but I want you to know that God is not there. He's not found in the politics. He's not found in, in those things. We can't replace the gospel with that. The gospel is not about what we do. The gospel is about what Jesus did for us. You can do nothing to earn it. The gospel is not some name it and claim it kind of teaching. It, it's not found in social movements. It's not found in political leaders. It is found in the life-changing, unifying power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the gospel is. And that's where we need to be. So, so what are the answers to this mystery? This is where we're going to find them. Remember, Paul is still in his this parenthetical statement we're talking about. He said he was going to pray, but before I can, before I can pray, you have to, have, capital H-A-V-E, you have to understand this mystery. Please grasp this mystery. Don't let it pass you by. This mystery that can only be revealed through the Holy Spirit. And then we go into verse 10. Some really 
really cool language in here. Verse, starting with verse 10. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I mean, honestly, we could probably preach a whole message on that. That now his intent is that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. When you study the Bible, pick up on words like that. Like I was reading it and I was like, manifold. The manifold. Now I know an exhaust manifold. Right? The man of the man is, it's what connects to the engine that all the engine exhaust comes out of, at least for the next 10 or so years. <laughs> Get it? Electric? Okay, sorry. All right. Uh, the manifold wisdom. That I, was, I was intrigued by this word. I was curious about it. The, the, the Greek word uh, manifold had, means many sided or, or much diverse. My favorite was multifarious or incomprehensible. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation, it was uh, the same word they used to describe the coat of many colors. Manifold. What it really means is holistic or all-inclusive. God's wisdom is, is it's a holistic, incomprehensible, all-inclusive. We will never grasp it on this side of eternity. Here's what's really cool though. So imagine that manifold wisdom, that incomprehensible, that holistic understanding of his wisdom. That wisdom should be made known all right, through the church. The manifold wisdom is being made known. Through the church. What? God took the manifold wisdom his manifold wisdom. And he said, okay, church, here's what I want. I'm going to let you know the mystery of the universe. And your job is to reveal it to other people. You get to know the mystery. Your job is to reveal the manifold wisdom. Is that cool? Like our job as a church, we are the ones. We, do you understand the weight of that responsibility? And we walk around bebopping around like everything's like we're all right like everything's good we're gonna God's saying your job please reveal this mystery to people one of the things Jesus says was that the way you love each other will let people know you belong to me it's a par rough paraphrase out of John they will know you belong to me because of the way you love one another it's a mystery nobody understands it but they're gonna say man there's something different about him get it. And then he says, uh, keep reading in, in uh, verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. <laughs> what? So the manifold wisdom of God is, the mystery is revealed to the heavenly realms. I don't, it's starting to sound like there's a spiritual thing happening here. Right? Like there's something for sure spiritual. Because, and if you keep reading, I'll read the rest. According to this eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, in him, through the faith, uh, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You have to understand they were scared to death to approach God. In fact, when they approached God, they had an ankle strap, rope tied to their ankle. So when they disappeared behind 
the curtain in case they died because God was so holy, they could pull them out. Well, John had something in his life. We're not sure what, but here, you know, who's next? They were scared to death. But there's a new mystery that they can't understand that now we can approach God with confidence. And it is the heavenly realms. It's the, it's the authority and, and leaders. In the, and I was looking, um, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I was looking, I was like, what does this mean? I was trying to understand. And this is not, most commentators don't believe that this is a demonic Satan heavenly realms. They're talking about the spiritual realm. Read some Isaiah or Ezekiel or Revelation and get a glimpse of what's happening in the spiritual realm where in Revelation, God is sitting on a throne surrounded by other thrones on a sea of glass as clear as crystal and angels and beings are uh, flying around them saying, holy, 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 Lord, like the spiritual realm. What happens is the mysteries of the universe are revealed in the spiritual realm through the church. There's only one way that Satan will be in your family, in your community. You can't do it. This is why Paul also says he recognizes everything's happening in the spiritual realm. He says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. When you get mad at somebody, don't be mad at that person. Be mad at the, what's behind it. What is that? There's a spiritual something. You're not going to defeat Satan in a religious ceremony. You're not going to defeat sin and darkness in your life by trying harder or by meaning it more. The only way we're going to defeat anything in the spiritual realm is by the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's it. There is nothing else. And the cool thing is that as we, as, as we formed into his likeness and, and as the Holy Spirit fills us and, and we're being made into his image, we can approach his throne with confidence. We have confidence to move into his throne room. The same place that people before would die when they weren't holy enough. Because of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we can have confidence. I just think it's amazing. So that's, that's the mystery. That's, that's such a hard thing to, to explain to somebody. So that's why it's a spiritual work. The mystery is revealed in the spiritual realm. And there's something happening behind the scenes. And this is why I think that, and I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up. We're going to close with a song here in a minute. But there's something in the spiritual realm that's happening every time you meet somebody. There, I'm, I'll guarantee you, if you're a Christian and you meet somebody, that spirit within you is either going to jive or not jive with that person. Jive. That's a, like a 70s word. It's going to jive. I don't know a better one. So it's, that spirit is either gonna, going to relate with, to jive with them, or it's not. You have talked to somebody before and you're like, I, man, I just don't feel right. Like something is not right here. That's the Holy Spirit. There's something happening in the spiritual realm that we can't see.
or you've talked to somebody and you've been like, man, there's something, there's something that's good here. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. And because we have the Holy Spirit, our job is just to love people, to fight the evil spirit that's in the world. You know, I was as, one day I'll read a, a little story that I read um, out of a book, but it, I've shared it before. It amazed me. As the kingdom of God was brought to earth, really, I don't know a better way to say it. There's, there was a, a tribe in South America and as they, they had a missionary encounter, a revival broke out and the Holy Spirit began to move in this place in such a way that even their crops increased. The grass was greener. Their fruit got bigger. Like the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, literally was coming to earth in that place, restoring the earth, not just the people. Like God wants to restore us and our surroundings. And it can happen now. So the mystery that is there, this gospel mystery, is ours to share by how we live and how we treat each other and how we treat others who don't know. And when somebody's mean, we return it with love and kindness. And when the world says, you know what, we're going to take Christmas and, and hijack it for pagan purposes and have Christmas trees and stuff, we say, you know what, we're going to take it back. We're going to take those Christmas trees and we're going to tell you the story of Jesus. <laughs> Everything that we do is us trying to expose the world to this mystery because we can't just hold it. In fact, we were talking this morning in uh, Sunday School again. Our, there is this uh, phenomenon that happens in, in any organization that as they, as they grow, they become more inward focused because they get to a place where they like the way things are. They like to do things a certain way. They like... And at some point, as they turn inward and they quit thinking about outward, and this is a business, a church, anybody, any organization, they begin to put off other people and, and they just don't feel welcome. And so what happens is the business or church begins to have less and less people and then it gets even worse because they're like, oh, we got to protect what we have until eventually they die. And you can read about that in all kinds of businesses like Kmart, for instance. Or, um, I don't know, there's several you can probably think of. Businesses that have gone out of business. It's a, it's a thing. When they've studied them, they found that this is what happens to them. And this is what happens to churches, church organizations. We have to continually make every effort to, and ask God to help us stay outward focused. How can I reach people? How can we reach people? The church is... The church is receiving the manifold wisdom of God. <laughs> what? And it's our job to reveal that mystery. It's crazy. So this morning here in a moment, we're going to uh, take communion together. And if you are helping, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and get in your place. By the way, um, back here on my left, your right is uh, gluten-free communion. If that's um, something you're concerned about with the, uh, the bread. I just want us to remember as we do this, we're going to sing this song. Take some time. We're going to do it individually. We're not going to do it all together this time. Take some time before you get it. Take some time after you get it. Take some time during. And just think, God, 
Holy Spirit, connect with me in such a way that my life reveals the mystery, your manifold wisdom. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And after the disciples had finished the meal, they took the cup, which they called the cup of blessing, and, and they, he, said, he gave it to them and he said, take this and drink. This is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So this morning, I just invite you to remember that as you are taking these communion. It's his body that was broken for you. It was his blood that was shed for you. By the way, you don't have to be a member of our church to share communion with us. It's open to any one of the places up here in the front. There will be bread you can tear off and dip it in the cup. In the back, there are prepackaged um, pieces that are waiting for you if you'd like to have the prepackaged instead. Let's pray for this time together. God, today as we're remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, I pray that you would always remind us as a church, the word is actually ecclesia. It's a gathering together of people united by a common purpose. We are your ambassadors to the world. We are the ones who reveal the mystery of the gospel. Who help people understand the manifold wisdom of God. I just, I can't even wrap my mind around it. So today, as we remember, Jesus, what you did for us, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Help us to connect with you in a special way, I pray. In Jesus' name.